Good morning, everybody. It is the last Sunday of the year and the last Sunday of the decade. Pretty crazy, right? <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad to be with you. My name is Nathaniel. Uh, I am the missional communities guy here at Storehouse. And today is the last Sunday of the year, but it's also going to be the last Sunday of our current sermon series on the Holy Spirit and what he does. And so, so far, we have uh, covered five things that the Holy Spirit does, and it's not a uh, all-encompassing list by any means, uh, but five key areas. And first week, we talked about how the Holy Spirit regenerates us, his people, how he convicts us. And then week three was how he intercedes for us. Week four um, was how he gifts us, multiple gifts, so that we can serve the church and serve him and his kingdom. And then today, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit teaches us. And so uh, before we kind of get into the passage and get into everything, as I was thinking about this, uh, I teach at a small Christian school and I teach seventh grade history. And I know there's a lot of teachers in here too. And so my first thought when I was thinking and praying about, okay, the Holy Spirit teaching us, uh, kind of where do I go with that? Uh, well, the first question is, well, why does he need to teach us? Why do we need to be taught? And as a teacher, you know, I mean, the answer is pretty simple. I'm sure there's a lot of like things that you can think about, you know, these deep philosophical answers to this, but the answer is pretty simple. It's because people don't know things. That's why we teach in the classroom. That's why the Holy Spirit teaches us is because we just simply don't know things. And that's just a part of life. I mean, we can't know everything. It's impossible. You can study one area, one field of of expertise for your entire life, and you can be at the top of your field and still not know everything about it. I mean, this is just a fact of life, is that we just, there's always going to be unknowns. There's always going to be things to learn. There's always going to be areas where we just don't have a clue. And that's okay. It's impossible to know everything. But the unknown itself as a concept really does dictate a lot of stuff that happens in our life and how we actually interact with the rest of the world around us. We can look at even things like fairy tales, our literature, media, dating all the way back to Brothers Grimm to today when you just go on Netflix. There's all this uh, media that's centered around the unknown and how we respond to it, how we interact with it, what it's like for us. One of the uh, greatest authors was H.P. Lovecraft, and he did some amazing things. He fathered the horror genre, um, and he was a really good author. And he created a career out of just exploiting the unknown. He said uh, one quote that the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear, and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. This is a guy that, He built his entire career on a fear of the unknown. And he was wildly successful. And you see even today that it's carried over into the horror genre and other other even things in media being able to just exploit this fear of the unknown. And there's really two responses that we see to the unknown in people. One, a healthy response, which is curiosity. We kind of want to know about it. We want to know more about it. And then our unhealthy response, which is fear and or worship even sometimes. And you can see that uh, in all people. 
And you can definitely see it throughout history. Even if you go back and, and look at uh, ancient religions, uh, like Thor explaining the unknown of how lightning and thunder works, Prometheus with uh, volcanoes and lava, you can, you can look through all, all of history and see that people try to explain the unknown in some way or another. And it tends to come out through fear, through fear of the natural world, through fear of their, their own just lack of knowledge, uh, and we see how it kind of shapes entire cultures, religions, everything else. Even in uh, scripture, we see in Acts 17 that Paul goes to uh, Athens and he sees an altar to the quote-unquote unknown God. And he's, and he's able to share the gospel by using that. But we see that the uh, people in Athens were worshiping the unknown because they, they recognize that they didn't know everything. They recognize that there, there's something out there that they have no clue about. And so it shapes our culture, it shapes everything. Today we see it so evidently in, in things like atheism, where really it's just a fear that there's something outside of our own control, a fear of unknown. We see it in the way that we worship ourselves, or celebrity culture, there, there's something, we want something greater than ourselves, but it can't be something that we can't explain. We see it in fear of death. So many people are afraid of death because they don't know what comes afterward. And so that shapes how they live, how they interact with people. We see it in even a fear of self-image, of how people are gonna respond to us. Just the last couple of weeks, uh, the Pope, the Catholic Church, came out and said straight up that it is morally wrong to talk about Jesus with somebody with the purpose of converting them. That is a great heresy called anti-proselytism, and it is wrong. We should talk about Jesus so that people will come to know him. That's kind of the point. And yet we see that the Pope, who is proclaiming to be the voice piece of God, saying a heresy because he fears how people are going to look at his church and his, uh, his own ministry and everything that he does. He's afraid of how people are going to respond in today's modern age. The fear of the unknown is dictating how the world reacts to everything around us. And it's not something that's just stuck in the, in the world outside of the church. We see it within the church as well. We see that many people in the church have a fear of certain theology, certain doctrines, because they're hard to understand. It's hard to understand exactly what Scripture is telling us or to be able to even see certain doctrines that Scripture isn't completely clear about. And so we react in fear. I mean, we can, I'm gonna throw out just a, an example, and it may seem silly, but it's something that historically and even today is a big issue with a lot of people. Baptism, whether you fully submerge or being able to be just like sprinkled with water or whatever. This is something that split churches in half, and it's something that even today people really get upset about. And yet, the issue of whether or not you'll go completely underwater, or if you're just sprinkled with water, whatever it may be, I mean, that's not a salvation issue. This is not something that's going to determine whether you go to heaven or hell. And yet, people get very upset about this and will say that if you don't do their way, that you are going to hell. That response is born out of fear of not understanding the doctrine fully or understanding the certain aspect of God's plan for us. 
And it's not limited to something as, as simple or silly as that. It, it goes beyond that to so many different kinds of doctrine, so many different relationships between people in the church. That's why you see so many denominations that are just responding poorly to each other out of fear and out of hatred. When really, as long as you're holding to the gospel truth of scripture, man, we're part of the same team, we're part of the same family working together for the gospel. And like I said earlier, there are heresies, and those things are wrong and not part of the church, but there are things where we just don't know fully the answer, and that's okay. Scripture doesn't clearly tell us everything. There's going to be things in this life that we just don't know. The unknown is going to always be a part of our life. But the truth is that the believer has no need to fear the unknown. Because God has revealed enough of himself and enough of his plan to give us assurance that we can rest in him no matter what. And that means that those things that we're unsure about, the unknown in our life, whether it's related to doctrine, scripture, whether it's related to just everything happening or our future, those things we don't have to fear because we know that we can go to scripture and see that God has revealed himself to us and we can rest in that. And the Holy Spirit's role in this is that we're able to see and understand God's revelations. So hear this one thing, the Holy Spirit enables the believer to understand all of God's revelations. And that's what we're gonna be talking about, is how the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us and brings us to a place of understanding of what scripture teaches and what scripture shows us. And don't be afraid if you come up against stuff that is difficult to understand, or things that maybe isn't fully clear. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 that we will see this life through uh, like a glass that's dimly lit, through a dim mirror, that we, we just can't see everything clearly. And that's okay, that's part of God's plan. And so don't grow frustrated, don't grow fearful, but rather rest in the knowledge that God has revealed enough of himself. And so what we're gonna see in, to, in today's passage, John 14, is that Jesus is talking to his disciples and he has just told them that he's gonna die on the cross and he's gonna leave them. And uh, he said, you know, Peter, you're gonna deny me three times. And the, and the disciples, they're responding very poorly to this. Uh, they, they don't like it. They don't like the idea of this at all. And so they're either saying, no, Jesus, you're wrong, or, or we'll make sure this doesn't happen, or we're, gonna, we're not gonna respond that way. And Jesus is like, okay, okay, well, let me sh share this with you. I, and he shares the gospel with them. Just shares everything that God has planned in store for, for them through his plan of redemption and everything going on. And then he says that even though I'm gonna be gone, the Holy Spirit is gonna come and he's going to teach you as I have just taught you and I have been teaching you over the last few years. And so that's where we pick up in John 14. And so turn your Bibles to John 14 with me and let's read this passage starting at verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Let's pray for our time. Lord, I thank you so much for your scripture. I thank you so much that you reveal yourself to us and that we can be confident in that. I ask right now that you will put me aside and let this time, this message be from you. Holy Spirit, I submit myself to you. 
Let everything that you have for your people come out today in this moment so we may worship you together as we dive into your word. Thank you, amen. All right, the Holy Spirit teaches us everything that we need to know. Scripture reveals everything we need to know. And so before we get into exactly what the Holy Spirit teaches, I'm gonna give you a nice little list that you can write down. Before we get into that, uh, we come up against kind of what I've already mentioned before is that there are heresies. It is very clear that the enemy is gonna try to deceive us so that we believe things that are not true. There's truth and there's deceit, there's lies. In Matthew 24, 24, Jesus says, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Even the church is gonna be tempted to believe false things. And so how do we know what's truth and how do we know what's a lie? How do we know what's deceit? How do we separate it? I'm gonna give you two things. First one, scripture alone. This book, the Bible, is the only thing that we have that we know for a fact is 100% true. Nothing else in life can we say that. Scripture alone is what we want to base everything off of. And with that, we see in Revelation 22:18 that nothing can be added or taken away from Scripture, which means there are no new revelations until Christ comes again. Meaning that nothing else outside of this book is on equal footing. Nothing else we know for sure is a revelation of God. That means stuff like John Smith and all his stuff, that's not a new revelation. Muhammad is not a new revelation. Scripture is the only thing that we rest upon. And it's going to be very obvious when Jesus does come again. So you don't have to worry about that happening without you noticing. We will know. And so for now, you know that scripture alone is all you can trust in. And so I say this, if you wanna know what's truth or what's a lie, what's deceit, what's heresy, always test it against scripture. If I say something up here, check it in scripture. If Pastor Marco says something up here, test it against scripture. There is no preacher, there is no person, there is no author, no book, no podcast. That is definite truth. The gospel as found in the holy word of God is the only truth. It is the only thing that's infallible. As I'm up here, I I am seeking after God and I am trying to say everything truthfully and everything according to scripture, but I am a fallible man. And so you should never take the word set up here at the pulpit as infallible. Test everything against scripture. And that will tell you if something is truth or if it's a lie. All right, got that out of the way, okay? Always remember that, test everything against scripture. Now I'm gonna give you a list, a list of what the Holy Spirit teaches us. Now as I said earlier, That's literally everything in the Bible. And don't worry, I'm not gonna keep you here for like a month solid and go through it all. I'm gonna give you just four key areas, four key things that the Holy Spirit teaches us through scripture. And these four things are very important because they are going to allow us to understand and rest in the assurance that God gives us 
that he has revealed enough to us, okay? So this is just going to be an overview. We're gonna look, you know, bird's eye view at all this stuff, but these four things are going to give you the assurance that you need to know that God has revealed enough of himself so that we can believe in him and trust in him. And so the first one, the first thing that the Holy Spirit teaches us is God's plan for redemption. Simply put, God's plan for redemption is this, that he created everything. He created everything, he created us, and then sin entered into the world. Sin entered into the world because God in his sovereignty gave us the ability to choose our own actions. And so we then have sinned against him because we choose to sin. We choose to do things that are counter to God's uh, character. And so because of that, there's a separation between us and God. Because God is fully holy. That means God cannot have sin around him. And so if we've ever sinned, if you have ever done anything wrong in your life, then you cannot be in the presence of God. And God sees this separation, knows that it's coming, does not take him by surprise, and so he makes it possible for us to be able to be redeemed by sending Jesus Christ, God as man on earth, who teaches us the way that we can be redeemed and the way that we can have a relationship with him. And then Christ dies on the cross. He pays that price for our sin. He pays the price so that we can be in the presence of God and have a relationship with him. Then he dies, then he is resurrected from the dead and ascends into heaven, which guarantees us that we are able to then be born again into the family of God, be sons and daughters, so that we can be co-heirs with Christ and have eternal life with him. These are things that God has promised and things that God has purposely made a plan for so that we can spend eternity in the presence of God when we don't deserve it. That is truth, that is God's plan for all of us. That is his plan for redemption. And right now, if you are a believer and you're hearing this, you may be feeling that tightness in your chest and that joy that you're part of this and that God has redeemed you and that he has poured his mercy upon you. That is the Holy Spirit teaching you the truth of this gospel message. That is, that is happening on the daily for the believer. And if you're in this room right now and you, you're not a believer, you haven't submitted your life to Christ, maybe you're feeling that tightness in your chest right now. Maybe you're feeling this pull or these thoughts saying, I need to believe this. This is something that I want and I desire. That's the Holy Spirit teaching you and softening your heart so that you can know the truth of the Holy Word of God. If that's happening, you, happening in you right now for the first time, Act on it. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He works through the heart of the unbeliever and softens it so you can understand scripture, so you can understand the gospel, so that you can come into relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is a wonderful and a glorious thing. And so if you do have that pull right now, don't wait. Now's the time. And it says in scripture that if you want to submit your life to Christ, if you want to follow after God, all you have to do is confess that you're a sinner, confess that you have messed up in your life, and say, God, I want to repent of that, meaning I want to turn away, and I want to follow you, I want to obey you and worship you from this moment forward. You can do that right now. 
No matter what's happening in your life, no matter what you've done, you can repent and confess and say, God, I'm gonna worship you and follow you from this point forward. And that is the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of God's plan for redemption. And it's all done through the Holy Spirit, softening and transforming your heart already. And so if that's you, you can do it right now. You can do it right now, you can do it later, but I encourage you, do it now. Don't wait, we don't know what's coming in the next 10 minutes, what's coming in the next couple of days. We don't know what the future holds. That is an unknown, but we know right now that Jesus loves you and he wants you and he is pursuing you. That's God's plan of redemption and that's what he wants. And we see that clearly in scripture and we see that the Holy Spirit teaches that to us daily. And with that, with God's plan for redemption, we see number two, he teaches us our purpose. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, Solomon says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So we have one purpose shown in two ways. Our purpose is to glorify God. And we do that through worship and obedience. Our purpose is to glorify God through worship and obedience. And the Holy Spirit teaches us how we can do this. One, the Holy Spirit's affirming it through scripture. He's bringing you to a place where you can understand your purpose, which, let's be real, so many people go through this life without understanding their purpose at all. Even as a believer, there are often times when, yes, this may make sense at a base level, but we're like, man, that's, it just doesn't seem like it's enough. But the truth is, it is enough. And the Holy Spirit's the one that's going to bring you to a place where you can understand it and embrace it. And so our purpose is to glorify God. And the Holy Spirit's gonna enable you to be able to do that through worship and obedience. Which goes into their third way, how to live. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to live through scripture. How do we glorify God? How do we fulfill our purpose in action? Is basically what this is. Matthew 22, 37 through 40 says, this is Jesus talking. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. He gives us two ways. How do we live? He gives us two things. You pursue God and you love others. We pursue God with our heart, our soul, and our mind. So what's that actually look like? Because that's very abstract. So what's that actually look like? How do we pursue God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind? When we pursue God with our heart, that's that yearning. That's the desire that we have to know him more. That's something that's happening emotionally. We want him more. And that's not possible on our own. That's the Holy Spirit that's doing an amazing work within your heart where you then grow to a place where you do desire God more and you do want him more. And if you find yourself in a place where, man, I just don't feel that, then ask for it. Pray to God that you have that desire. 
I've gone through times like that in my life, multiple times, where it's just like, man, everything seems stagnant. I don't feel anything. When I open up the pages of scripture, it just, it's just words. It doesn't mean anything to me, and I don't know, I don't know what to do with that. Go to God on your knees and say, please God, give me the desire to pursue you. Let me want you. And the Holy Spirit will respond. And he will answer that prayer. And so we want to pursue God with our heart. We want to pursue God with a desperate yearning after him. And we want to pursue God with our soul. Which means we pursue him with everything. With our whole self. When I get wrapped up in like a project at home, whether it's like doing something in the garage or like a hobby or reading a book or, or anything like that, I get very obsessive about it. And it's just like on my mind all the time and I want to just do that until I finish it. Some of you may relate with that where it just consumes your thoughts. That's what you wanna do. And uh, it's not always good because sometimes I then push things that I should be doing to the side but it's something about my personality that I recognize and I understand. What we want to do when we pursue God with all of our soul is get that obsessive, narrow-mindedness where God is the only thing that matters. We want to be able to pursue him in a way where everything in our life revolves around him. No matter what's happening, no matter what distractions we have, we want to devote ourselves fully to pursuing God putting him as a higher priority than other things. And that's not an easy thing to do because there are many distractions in life. There's many things that we feel like we have to get done. Man, I gotta get up early and do this errand. I gotta get up and get this report ready, whatever it may be. And so what happens is you get up and say, I don't have time to read scripture. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to be with God because work is so much more important than him. Okay, you may not say that, but that's what you're saying. And the truth is that God is the most important thing in our life, and so we must pursue him with all of our soul. Pursue him with everything we have. Make him the priority in your life. And we pursue God with all of our mind. This means that we have a desire to understand him more. The things that he has revealed to us in scripture, we wanna know it. It's that healthy response to the unknown where it's curiosity. We want to know more about God. And that means maybe it is diving into scripture more. Maybe it is, you know, asking questions. Maybe it is reading some books that help kind of unlock what's happening here. Whatever it may be, but you have a desire to understand more. And you don't have to be a big bookworm like I am where I'll just read theologians all day and I like it. You don't have to do that, but just ask a question. See where it goes. The pages of scripture is going to show you everything you know, need to know. And so open up the Bible. If you read something and it gets you curious, go find a cross-reference. Go find something in there that relates because this entire book, it relates with each other because this is not just singular you know, books within, within this one overall book, but rather it's an entire story. It's an entire plan. It all relates to each other and it all works together. And so even if you come across an area where it's like, man, that doesn't make sense, or I feel like this is kind of contradicting another part of scripture, 
It doesn't. It doesn't contradict itself. It works together. And so pursue it. See where it leads. And the Holy Spirit says he will teach us so that we can understand, so that we can come to a place where it does make sense to us. And so don't be afraid to dive into scripture. Don't be afraid to ask questions about it. God wants us to pursue him with our minds. And so we we need to open up the book. We need to open up the Bible and pursue God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And then we also live by loving others. We live a life of sacrifice because Christ has sacrificed everything for us. He has given us mercy and grace when we don't deserve it. And so we need to respond in kind to other people. Give them grace and mercy when they don't deserve it. And none of this is easy. Living a life where you love others as yourself is not an easy thing to do because, let's be real, we're all very selfish. If you won't admit that, then you're lying to yourself. We're all very selfish at heart. We want our own way. We want things to be the way we're comfortable with. That's the way we like it. And so that's what we want. But we're called to be above that, which means that a couple things are going to happen means, one, we're not going to be quarrelsome. It means you don't argue for the sake of argument. You're not going to pick somebody apart just because it makes you feel better. We're not going to be quarrelsome. We're not going to be deceitful. We're not going to lie. We're not going to be self-absorbed, where it's just all about me and my own comfort. And another silly example of this that I thought of immediately, because it bugs me so much, is you know when you're like driving, and for me to go to Edinburgh, I have to go on 83, and then you got that like little bridge that comes up, and it's like one lane, which doesn't make sense at all, because a ton of people need to go that same route every single day. And so you try to go up that one uh, little bridge up to Edinburgh, and there's a line all the way back to like Jackson, and it's terrible, and you sit there for like 30 minutes. So I come up, and I'm like, oh, man, I have to wait. And so I come, and I get in the back of the line, and I inch my way forward. And then that guy comes up, and he zooms right up, and he comes right up to the bridge, and then pokes his way in and just kind of goes in. That may be some of you, and I'm sorry if I offended you, but that bugs me. (laughs) And it bugs me because basically that person is saying that his life, his things going on, is more important than anyone else in that line. And that's silly, you know? And I don't know, maybe his wife is having a baby and he needs to get to the hospital, whatever. And so I'm not going to judge him exactly a little bit in my head, but (laughs) but the point remains that if we live life where it's all about me and it's all about my life, my problems, what's happening in my life, then we are discounting everyone else. You're saying you're more important than everybody in the world. What if we lived our lives as if we weren't the most important person in the world? And you may never articulate it like that because you think you're a great person, but the truth is we do this so often. I know I do it all the time where I get caught up in my own problems, my own frustrations, and next thing I know, I'm taking it out on my wife and being snippy with her for no reason, but it's just because I think I'm more important. We respond this way all the time, and it's because we don't love others as we love ourselves. We're not living a life that Christ calls us to live. 
it, it's no mistake that Christ says things like love your enemy, pray for your enemy, to turn the other cheek. These things, it's no coincidence. God says this for a very specific purpose. Because the fruit of our life is going to show a direct reflection of our relationship with God. And so we wanna make sure that we're showing a life of humility, a life of service, and a life that's glorifying Him in both our pursuit of Him and how we are treating and loving others. And our last uh, area that we're gonna talk about is God's character. The Holy Spirit teaches us about God's character. And I think this is the most important area because God's character and what the Holy Spirit teaches us through scripture about it answers a very important question. Is God worthy to be worshiped? I mean, at the root of our faith, that's the question. Is he worthy to be worshiped? Because if he's not, none of this matters. We shouldn't be here. We shouldn't even be talking about this. Because if God's character is not worthy to be worshiped, then it doesn't matter. And scripture, even though there's a lot of things where we may not have 100% answers on, I mean, scripture, even though it's a lot, it's still just this book. It doesn't have every answer in the whole world, but it does reveal his character very clearly. And the Holy Spirit teaches that to us and enables us to understand the attributes of God. And so I'm gonna list just a few attributes, a few characteristics of God that answer the question, is he worthy to be worshiped? First, we see that God is creator of all things. He created everything. He is unchanging because he even created time. So God is outside of time and he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God is unchanging. You don't have to worry about him changing his mind and flipping the script. God is holy, I mean, he's without sin. He is not evil, he is not corrupted. And God is just, meaning that he cannot be corrupted. He will always be holy. God is infinite. I mean, he has all the power. He sees everything. He can do anything. There is nothing that can stand against him. There is no battle of good and evil. It's not God versus Satan trying to figure this out. No, that war is already done. It was never even a question. God is infinite. He is all-powerful. God is sovereign, meaning nothing happens without his sovereign permission. He is in charge of everything. Nothing catches him by surprise. And God is merciful because he saves us as sinners when we don't deserve it. He shows us mercy. God is merciful and God is good. No matter what, God is unchanging, so he will always be good. He will always 
be above everything else because he is good at his core. His character is goodness. And so when we take all of that and there's a bunch of other attributes of God, but these, these ones specifically, when you look at this, it answers the question, is God worthy to be praised? The answer is yes. This is an amazing, all-powerful God who has created everything, he has done all this stuff, and what we see is our reaction to it is to rebel against him and do things that don't please him, that are against his character. We sin, we mess up, and yet he still showers us with mercy and grace out of his ultimate goodness. That's a God I wanna serve. And so yes, God is worthy to be praised. And it's because of his character and it's because of the answer to that question and it's because that the Holy Spirit teaches us all of that through scripture that we're able to be comfortable with the unknown. So yes, the Holy Spirit will teach us, us, will teach us and explain so many things to us. But like I said at the beginning of today, there are so many things that we just don't know and there are things that we can't know. But because the Holy Spirit teaches us enough because God has revealed enough of himself that we can be confident in who he is, then we can rest in the assurance and the trust that we have for him because of that. And so when we do bump up against the unknown, we don't have to be afraid. When your life takes an unexpected turn and you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, you don't have to be afraid. When you're in a situation where maybe you lost your job, maybe, maybe something terrible happened, and really everything just doesn't seem to make sense, and you just don't know what's gonna happen, you don't have to be afraid. Because we know that God is merciful, we know that he is good. So we know that we can trust him. And so what's the, what's the application for all of this? The Holy Spirit teaches us all these things, but how does, that affect, how does that affect me right now, today? What do I do with this? What's the tangible thing to do with it? I'm gonna give you two things. One, read scripture. The Bible is the revelations of an all-powerful God that he has given us. Read it, check it out. He's gonna reveal things to you that you didn't even expect. And the Holy Spirit is gonna teach you and enable you to understand all of it. And so read scripture, read the Bible. And then second, pray. And I want you to pray for two things. I want you to pray for wisdom. Wisdom so that the things that he does reveal in scripture, that you can understand it. You're praying for wisdom so you don't get caught up in, in the lies that the enemy's gonna throw at you, because he will, and he's gonna use things from scripture to try to trip you up. So pray for wisdom so that you do understand all the revelations God has granted. And then two, I want you to pray for peace. I want you to pray for peace so that when you do bump up against that thing that maybe you don't understand yet, or maybe you bump up against that thing that 
we just don't know, then you can have peace. Because you're resting in the knowledge of who God is and you have complete trust for him. And so you have a peace that goes beyond understanding. A peace that makes it possible to not fear the unknown. I want you to be like that child that's standing on a high place and yells your name and you turn around and they just jump at you because they know that you're gonna catch them. That level of trust, confidence, joy, peace that that child has, we should all want to have that and God will give that to us. So no matter what you're coming against, no matter what unknown may be in your life, we can jump and know that God is gonna catch us. That confidence is something that we cannot take for granted. It is something that we should uh, be joyful about. And the great thing is that it leads us to a place where we wanna pursue him even more. And we want to be uh, somebody that glorifies him even more. And so we then get into this cycle where we are able to worship and we're able to glorify, we're able to obey him. And our life becomes a life that does reflect a good relationship with the Father. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you so much for your holy word. God, you have granted us an amazing miracle that you reveal yourself to us, even though, I mean, we don't deserve anything. We don't deserve any of it. All we do is rebel and disappoint, and yet you say that you love us anyway. I thank you so much for that. And I ask right now that if there's somebody in this place that heard these truths and their heart right now is just being constricted and they're, they're finding themselves in a place where they're just wondering, man, is this for me? Holy Spirit, continue to just soften that heart. I, I ask right now that, that if that person is you, that you will come today and submit yourself to God and say, God, maybe I don't understand all this. I don't, I don't know, but I do know that's what I need. I know things must change. And if that's you today, then please do it today. Do it now. Confess and repent. That's all you need to do. Confess that you have messed up and repent means just to turn away from your sin and go after God. And for those of us that are following you today, man, I ask that you continue to work on our hearts so that we yearn after you. That we desire you, that we want you more than anything else, that you become the priority of our life. So that we may glorify you in everything that we do. We glorify you by worshiping you every day and we obey you that we're able to look in the pages of scripture and see what gives you joy and happiness and that we pursue that. Because our relationship with you is solid and we want to be in good relationship with you. And I ask for all of us that you give us peace so that we can trust you and that we can jump into the unknown, we can jump into the future because we know that you're gonna catch us no matter what. 
I thank you for all of this and for all things. In your name, amen.